What is up, lefties? How is it going? This is your boy, Michael Harris, joined as always with Lincoln Cook. How is it going? It's going good. Happy to be back in Colorado. Had a little fun adventure for the last few days, which we'll dig into a little bit. How is California? It's good. A little on the chillier side for springtime, but it still didn't rain. Um, Got to get out and play a little disc golf this last week. So um, it's still Southern California. It's beautiful here and uh, can't complain too much. Well, that is fair enough. I mean, you can't have perfect weather all the, all the time. You know, you got to yeah. let some of us have it. But exactly. We got a good show today. Should be a quicker episode. We'll, we'll see. We always say that. And then, it, Keep then we go an hour long anyways. But we're going to recap the Jonesboro Open. Talk about some storylines from that event, as well as a couple... Debatable topics, we'll say, as to the course and the coverage. Um, And then we'll jump into a couple dealer's choice options. And then for our in the bag, we've made it through all the pieces of my bag, which we'll do a final in the bag in a couple weeks here before USAMs. But uh, so we'll have a little bit of a different episode this week. And then lastly, talk about what we're working on. Perfect. Sounds good. All right. We will also, if you're joining us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, feel free to join, jump on over to YouTube to check out the uh, video that we see our ugly mugs. Yeah, goes along with this podcast. But uh, thank you for joining us, no matter where you are uh, joining us from. So we're going to jump into our picks from the Jonesboro Open. Uh, this side of I, I think it has like one of the longest names in like pro tour title so is the disc golf pro tour played against sports jonesboro open presented by prodigy yeah mouthful. that's a mouthful yes um, yeah when he was uh, announcing the winner spoiler <laughs> calvin won he's like you're playing again dgpt jonesboro open champion not once, not twice. Like just kept going yeah, on forever. Yeah. It was like, just like just give him the trophy. Let's, like, let's geez, man. Here. All right. Uh, do we want to go over our picks or just results first? Uh, let's go over results and then we'll go over picks. Cool. So MPO, uh, kind of had a, a jumbled leaderboard, but uh, Calvin ended up taking it down by three strokes at thirty-one under par. Came down to the last hole. Yes, it did. It was exciting. Um. Then we had Ben Calloway, Isaac Robinson, Eagle McMahon tied at negative uh, 28. Andrew Presnell, Bradley Williams, Kyle Klein, Corey Ellis, and James Conrad all <laughs> tied at negative 26. Uh, so for five fifth place. For fifth place. So there are five of them there. Uh, Gannonburg rounded out the top 10. At uh, 25 down. 25. Jeez. So exciting. Uh, Some familiar names back on the top of the leaderboard. Uh, But it was a couple newer names in Ben Calloway, Presnell, and Bradley Williams. Yep. Yep. And Coriolis. I think that was his best finish of the year so far. Yeah. I think so. so. He usually turns it on in the woods a little bit. Yeah. Um, we'll just hop over to FPO um, quickly, but we got Cat Merch taking it down over Haley King in a one-hole playoff. Uh, that was really exciting. And then we had Aria Aria Castruida. Wow, I hope, good I hope pronunciation. I, I hope I didn't butcher that one. Sounded um, good to me. Third place, 19 down. Holland Handley, negative 17. And Evelina Solonen, negative 16. Great to see her, um, not quite podium, but like not twenty fifth place. Yes, um, relevant again, back towards the top. Like, I wonder what her C one X percentage was, though. I don't want to know, but uh, that could be the difference between 
first place or 25th place. Yeah, because I, I guarantee you it probably was the difference between first and fifth. Yep. Um, and then, surprise, surprise, Kristen Tatar. Yeah. Sixth seven, place finish at minus seven, 15. Seven strokes out of um, the lead. Um, Which, like, boohoo for her, like... Nobody's yeah. worried about it, but no, but still surprising for a, a longer course that uh, she was not closer to the top. Yeah, I I just think that course not necessarily doesn't play to her style, but that course plays more to other players, FPO players. Sti- yeah. other FPO players' styles. Of- Agreed. Being more aggressive off the tee, running more putts, and being able to run more putts, and avoiding extra trouble. That course sure. um, has trouble areas, but it doesn't have out of bounds um, where you're adding extra, adding strokes. extra strokes to your right. game. You're just it's either birdie or chip up your your par when you can make your make your putts um, yeah and although that's kind of a decent segue into the third round where there was a lot of wind mm-hmm. so pitching up for par was not a gimme par anymore no that's why we see some higher scores there in the third round yeah but Haley king was able to to put up a pretty good round as well as evelina in that final round yeah, I mean, Cat had a sizable lead going in, not sizable, but had the lead and did what she needed to do to just maintain it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good. I think she is the now seventh or eighth different FPO winner oh. this year. Yeah, which is exciting because at the start of the at the start of the year you had Cat win. And then Paige won an event later, and then Kristen won. And so you're like, oh, here we go again with the big three just going to be dominating. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has been kind of a breath of fresh air that there is so much parity um, in the FPO division. So I, oh, I think who else good. won outside of uh, Macy, It was Macy, Macy Valdez. Yep. Um, there is Sayananda. Is that Texas States? Yeah. That's um, right. I don't I don't think Owen Scoggins won. No. Um, but I mean that's that's five at least. Yeah. I I do know there's there's someone else that maybe it was the silver from, series or something. Early. Yeah. Um but still just exciting. Yeah. So good to see some more like we we were talking about this last week actually where it's like we don't want to see Kristen play worse we want to see everybody else play better and push yeah for you know better golf better cover better competition exactly and I think that's kind of what happened this week was Kristen wasn't her best but other players stepped up to overtake her Mm -hmm. um which is good. So yeah. um so we'll go over our our picks real quick. Um you had Anthony Barella, Drew Gibson, Ezra Aderhold, Adam Hammies, and Ben Calloway. Great last pick in Ben Calloway. Um and so they gave you a total of not two oh three, it's uh ninety seven. If I do my math correctly. We got yeah, to take out pretty good, Nick, pretty good math. Nick Hansen pick. <laughs> um, yeah, Adam Hanks got... hurt me with that forty fourth place. A little bit, but um, it's all right. It's all right. You whooped me in the women's division. You got look at that. one, two, and twenty fifth. Um, but then so I had Eagle. So if you just look at these, we had Eagle second place. You had a second place. Uh, Nicholas Antela fifteen. AB fifteen. Mm-hmm. You had Drew twenty three. I had Aaron Gossage and Colbert all in twenty three. Mm-hmm. Um, Which the difference between uh, 
it was eleventh uh, place, fifteenth place, and twenty third place was three strokes. Yeah, which is just wild because there was just so many ties for it. Again, yeah. speaking to the fact that this was only a three round tournament. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I had Joel Freeman, who kind of gave me that little boost. If if I do the math, am I because seventy eight minus one? Did we both get ninety seven points? I think we tied. Dude, hold on. This is this is great podcasting right here. Because I had a twenty three, and you had an extra thirteen. I had ninety. I had ninety seven, and you have we t- we tied at ninety seven. You have one seventy five minus seventy eight minus seventy eight ninety seven. Holy cow! We did tie, <laughs> which means that you win it because you had the wild card pick. Uh, I mean, we can it can push. I think no, that's how we did it in the past. Oh. Okay. I think week week one we tied exactly, and I, you had the wild card pick. Well, or no, I had the wild card pick, so I want it. Thank you, Tristan, for uh, performing for me. Appreciate that. That's yes, kind of cool that we tied like that. Yeah, so, that is funny. And then my FPO picks: Ella Hansen got me seven points. Rebecca Cox thirty second, and Caroline Henderson did not finish. DNF. Uh, yeah. So hope she's okay. Hope she continues touring. Um, a lot of potential, I think. Seemed like, of course, she would do decent at too. Yeah, I thought so, too. But what the difficult greens on in, on the uh, different slopes and stuff, if you're not hitting your putts, uh, the chances for rollaways or bigger numbers kind of uh, can increase. Yeah. So what were your overall takeaways, points of interest, or uh, thoughts on the tournament? There are three main areas that I just wanted to bring up slash touch on, which is first, and I already mentioned it, the wind conditions, rounds one and two, absolutely perfect. And then round three, there's a lot of wind. Like, it looks like Colorado out there. So... Yeah, that definitely played a big factor into it, and there's debate as to whether or not wind should be factored into the difficulty of a course when building the course. So I know there's some, you know, debate controversy as to those types of discussions, right? Uh, second piece is just is this course still has the Disc Golf Pro Tour outgrown this course? And third is James freaking Conrad at minus 17 round two. Like, holy balls. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one for us to finish on. Yeah. We we can save that a topic. Um, So the first one, you're talking about um, courses. Should the wind wind be factored into the difficulty of the course when they're building the course? Um, or or potential weather conditions. I would say yes. When you are in a place like an Oklahoma, like a Texas, like an Arkansas, when it is windy there, ninety percent of the time. Um, they were saying that those conditions that they had were not unprecedented, but very uncharacteristic for the area. Um, it was str- stronger than normal. It was stronger than... it. It's normally stronger than normal. Um, it's normally windy. <laughs> normally stronger than normal. Yeah. Um, I, I think, of course, when you're making the fairways, I think it should be with... Um, wind should be able to play a factor. Like, you don't want a double mando 400 feet down the fairway that is 15 feet wide forcing players when it's going to be windy um i don't think you want that in general but i know i know i get i get um, your point but i i just think it is easy i mean you with that wind that was there on friday i mean someone shot nine down i think was it ben shot a nine down mm-hmm. um so you showed that it's still scorable, but the leaders only shot five, four, five or four down, right? 
I, I can't remember. Eagle took a triple bogey on on hole eighteen. So yeah, so I I, I think it was hard. It is laid out hard enough, but going into our second point, I think they do need to make it harder. Yeah, it's a birdie or die course, and there's only a few holes where birdies are actually very difficult to get, but par is very easy. Yes. And in my mind, I don't feel like it should be that way. It should be like birdie is because you got a you had a great shot yeah, and you, you know, you did what you were supposed to and you executed perfectly and you get rewarded with the birdie, mm-hmm. but a par should not just be easy to get if you don't hit that perfect birdie. Yeah. Like a par I... should be rewarding, right? Like in, in golf, if you hit the fairway, hit the green and two putt for a par, yeah. you said, Hey, I did this hole properly. That's yeah. That's good. So in disc golf, I think a par should be you throw your approach shot or throw your tee shot and then throw your approach shot to 60 feet and then two putt from there. Yeah. That is more along the lines of how I think moving or the pro tour should be designing courses for the top tier players. Yeah. It might be a hot take. I don't know. I I think what you need to do is make – so I, what this course showed me was a good shot was rewarded with an easier birdie, mm-hmm. but a bad tee shot was not penalized with the chance of bogey. Exactly. Because um, there was no OB. There's no OB. So like, if you do have a bad tee shot, you can still throw, close your eyes, throw it wherever you want to, pitch up, type in for par sure like i on the final round you saw eagle do it on i'm not exactly sure what hole but the one where you the got par a, five no par four um highs are out and then it's the forehand chip shot around the corner to the left to oh the, right the, su- the super tight corner shot yes like like they throw, they throw a spike forehand hyzer yes yeah so eagle hit early tree and he is just throwing the disc as high and far as he can. And like it 475 cr- feet in the air. It, it <laughs> crashes into some woods nearby, tap, pitches out, taps in. Like, all you have to do, make that little island of woods. Like, it's already penalizing, but make it like a bunker green so it's like a hazard. So it's an extra yeah. stroke if you go in it type of thing. Um, right. It, but I don't know. It's... I just think I I think yeah I think the course needs to be more penalizing for bad shots like you said to essentially make the pro tour harder. Yeah, I it's not even because an average player like you or I could go and play for par on almost every hole, right? If we just if we say hey we're not playing for any birdies here. We're just playing for par. We could probably shoot even to six over without terribly too much difficulty. Yeah. But if like a pro comes to a local course where you and I shoot minus six, minus nine, they're like perfect golf on, on those courses. Yeah. Yeah. It just just becomes a, a putting game, which I know that's what wins tournaments, mm-hmm. but I don't want putting like a tournament and a course should determine who is the best thrower, approacher, and putter mm-hmm. for for the weekend, not just who can putt it the best. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And then moving to James freaking Conrad, man. There's Did... one. Ga- there's one dude who putted the best. Did you watch that that round? Because I haven't seen it. I just I did not. I just saw that he shot minus seventeen. Yeah. What hole that, did he miss? He missed two. He got he uh, eagled the par five. Oh okay. Uh, he missed. It was either five or six, and then was it one? Ten or eleven? It was in the the last. Oh okay. Yeah, I saw the scorecard. I don't remember it. 
but I do gotcha. know it was there and then there. Uh, I mean, it's still just freaking impressive. Yeah. It was perfect scoring conditions, but he did that primarily backhand because even the the tight, uh, the hole that we mentioned, yeah, the spike forehand approach hyzer, that hole as well as the off the tee, like 350 spike forehand hyzer, both those he threw backhand. Dadgum impressive. It's it's two weeks in a row that a, I mean, even Isaac was finished second. Yeah. Um, it just goes to show you the strength of having a good backhand is you're still capable of competing at a high level. Um, mm-hmm. There are certain courses you do need to have a more elite level forehand power but you can work around it with a good backhand. Yeah, I think they're kind of proving that you don't need it, but it's an added asset. Yes, exactly. I mean, Uh, Nathan Queen did it. Yeah. As a lefty backhand. Yeah. and Shout out to the lefties. Actually, rock on to the lefties there. Yeah. And then even watching Eagle, which I did see him throw some forehands. um, Looks... it was so effortless and smooth and easy and still went just massively far. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah, it's it's crazy. He looks like he's like like chipping it with his with his wrist. Yeah, he's putting it's more a, wrist into it. It's like a little elbow it's a little and shoulder. Chip, yeah, chip shot and it's going three hundred and twenty feet. I'm like, oh, you suck. Yeah. Um but uh, being right like backhand dominant and still being able to compete um so yeah work on your backhand shots you don't need to don't need to be uh equally 400 feet backhand and 400 feet forehand if you can get your backhand 450 and then your forehand is service serviceable at 250 even or three i mean 350 realistic yeah you can go 350 450 like that's going to put you in position to be able to compete yeah. at any amateur level. Yeah, for sure. Uh, lastly, sorry, I forgot to mention this on my points I wanted to discuss. That's fine. Uh, just the the finish of this tournament. Yeah. Eagle and Calvin, for context, were tied at minus 20, no. 29. Minus 30. 31. <laughs> Uh yes, 31. minus thirty one going into the final hole. Calvin steps up and throws. Was it Calvin first or Eagle first? Calvin. Yeah, I can't remember now. Like yeah, Calvin steps up and throws a piped drive, perfect, right where it needs to be, down the center of the fairway. And this is not an easy shot. I think this is like the hardest hole in the course. If you know. At least top three hardest holes on the course. Yeah. In terms of where you have to get your shot to be able to get the birdie, that is, we'll say. Yeah. Eagle goes, well, I'm going to throw a big spike hyzer over the top. Nice throw 550. And it flipped up on him instead of carrying the hyzer. And he went OB. Yeah. And then to try to, you know, make a miraculous save from there, he tried another crazy shot and didn't make it through. And at that point he was like, okay, well I'm just going to try to throw it in now. Yeah. And ended up taking a triple bogey. So he went from being tied for first to tied for second second with two other people from chase card and finished second place. Yeah. Whereas Calvin had a a nice, easy finish for him. He just knew, all right, just got to throw a nice straight second shot. Yeah. Toss a nice up shot and then tap in my victory. Mm-hmm. For his third Jonesboro Open, yeah, dominates that course. Yeah, it's impressive though. Like, yeah. really, it is just so impressive to watch him just throw laser beams across fields yeah. consistently. Yeah, um, I'm su- I'm surprised with Eagles' play going the, the big sky hyzer like that. Um, but also kind of power to him 
mm-hmm. because he's playing his game plan. Yeah, saw, he, he, saw, he did that in the first or the second round as well. He saw Calvin lace that shot. I'm pretty sure Calvin went first because he was coming off of an eagle on hole 16, I want to say, the par five. Yeah, 15 or 16, something like that. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But like, he didn't get toyed into playing to Calvin's game. You know, it's yeah. one of those instances where Calvin pulled it off, Eagle didn't. But if Eagle did pull it off and say Eagle put his, like in a fantasy world, Eagle put his up close, like, next to the basket made his birdie and Calvin missed. We're like, Oh my God, Eagle did the like craziest shot ever. Yeah. It, it, I mean, cause just... round two Eagle did go over the top and he did birdie. Yeah. It, so it's just that one game of... plan. Exactly. So it's just one of those things where your game plan just didn't work out, but you stuck to it. And that's, that's just part of disc golf is um, you got to stick to what you know best, what you're comfortable with. And uh, throw the shots that you know, not the ones that you think you should do. Sure. Yeah. So. Well, that's Jonesboro. Yeah. Great tournament. We got a weekend off. So uh, consider yourselves lucky, and maybe we'll see if we can bring a guest on next week. Dot, dot, dot. Maybe, maybe. Okay. We'll do his choice. I got a, uh, hopefully a fun one. I don't know if you've seen on, I'm sure it's on the TikToks. I don't watch, I don't use TikTok. I use YouTube. But I've seen a couple of videos on YouTube where they will say, rank these discs in order from one to five. And you don't know what the next disc is. Okay. Yeah. yeah so I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to tell I've... you a disc. You're going to rank it one to five. And then we'll see how it ends up. So I'm going to give you five discs and I've randomly or not randomly. I've purposefully selected these five discs, but I'm, I'm randomizing the order that I'm telling you them. Okay. Okay. So we have, I have two of them for you. I have a putter and a mid range one for you. Oh, so I'm doing two, two, five groups. Yes. Okay. And then they're all putters and then all mid. Okay. So rank these putters and then rank these mids. Okay. All right. Thought, thought this would be kind of fun. Oh yeah. Okay. So first one, Discmania P two. That's a solid number two. Number two. Okay. Yeah. Woo. That's intense there. Uh, the MVP, or I guess it's Axiom. Envy. That's so hard. Just what that disc has done for MVP Axiom has been insane. I'm just going to have to go three. Okay. Uh, the Innova AVR. Five. Five. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. And sorry. Need to find the other one. And then we have the Discraft Luna. Just because of what I'm going to guess is left, I'm going to go with four for the Luna. That's a bad choice. Because <laughs> lastly, you have the DGA Blowfly. Oh, that's for sure number one. You kidding me? <laughs> that's a cheater disc. You just have to throw it at the rim. You can miss anywhere between the chain to the bottom of the cage, and that thing will go in. Possibly. Ugh. That was yeah. funny. Hey, you heard it here first. The Blowfly, the greatest putter in all, all the lands. Okay. Well, uh, I think that means you have to bag it now. Oh, possibly. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a challenge. And a loser has to bag the blowfly. Yeah, we should. We'll we should do one when we're in uh Michigan. We'll do a challenge. Yeah, that'll be playing, good. Playing for a disc for the rest of the summer. Yeah, that'll be good. Okay. Okay, and then mid ranges. You ready? Yes. Okay, Prodigy M three. 
four. Okay. The Discraft Buzz. Mm. I'm gonna go. It's it's that's a that is a good one. I'm gonna go two. Okay. The Dynamic Discs Emac Truth. Three. That's a solid three. The Discmania MD3. One. And the Innova AB, or, uh, Rock X3. Perfect. Five. That was perfect. Well done. You all, you almost fooled me, but I, I would have... I, yeah, that I, that's almost exactly what I would have those discs be. Yeah, which, no, which that is was kind of cool. I randomized the order, like I tried to do, like just like a randomizer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the uh, Rock X three was yeah. That was like I purposefully selected that disc to be kind of the potentially last disc, as well as the Blowfly. Yeah, being potentially the last disc. But how would you have ranked those putters? If you didn't, if you did know the order, uh, now that I know it, it's hard because the envy is, it's one of those weird, almost a kind of like a zone esque. Mostly people just throw it. Um, you can put yeah, with it's it, a, like throwing putter, but it's a it's a throw. It's more of a throwing putter than it is a putting putter. So, knowing that, I would probably put. The Luna number one, me too. Just because it has, it's great for putting, and for throwing. Um, yeah, Luna, the Envy, P two, uh, AVR, and then Blowfly. That's what my order would be as well. Yeah, very good for sure. Well, I'll have to come up with a couple of these again. Um, and I purposefully did it like, just kind of popular. Putters oh, yeah, yeah, with yeah. one crappy one and then popular mids that are all pretty much the same disc with one that's like the Rock X3 because the Rock X3 nobody really throws. Yeah. And then I have a couple of ideas for types or groups of discs to do this again. So Nice. Cool. It'll be yeah. re- reoccurring. Yeah, we'll call that rank, rank these discs. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Do you have a dealer's choice for us this week? Um, it's more just a conversation um, <laughs> and it, I like that you brought up the rock and the AVR but I was just thinking about discs which ones I like which ones I don't like which ones don't get enough love which ones get too much love and sure. I thought overrated, we could just underrated. I thought we could just do a five discs that are and this is just open conversation between us five discs that are overrated and five discs that are underrated or can maybe do three overrated and five underrated um for our listeners to kind of get out there and try so they can be from our experience or whatever but um and avr and the rock are two of my five like kind of overrated discs in my opinion yeah the rock i think is overrated avr i feel like nobody really throws the avr it is i know but it's still like the most popular putter ever and i i just only because everybody buys it because they buy a dx avr shark and leopard in a a starter pack which is the most highest selling pack of ever you know whatever I know, I know. But I can't name a single person other than my buddy Bryce who puts with an AVR. And he puts with a G-Star AVR. <laughs> Why Bryce puts with the premium plastic putter, Connor and I will never be able to tell you. What a crazy But it, it works for him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of weird. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I, I think just different manufacturer discs, if there's anything that stands out. Another one, and I'm sorry, Innova Simps, but <laughs> I think I, I might hurt a lot of feelings. But the Wraith, dude, I was just gonna say that is kind of an over. 
It's overrated. Overrated disc. Yes, because everybody was like, oh, yeah, the race is so underrated. And then it became overrated. Yeah. Pretty. Because everybody's like, yeah, you can't throw a destroyer, so throw a wraith. And everybody thinks, oh, great, I'll throw a wraith. And I will throw this just like a like Calvin throws his destroyers, but it'll match my arm speed. And it doesn't. No. Yeah. Um, That's good. An- another overrated but this is like a little bit weird overrated for like newbie beginner amateurs that go to a disc golf shop and they're like oh i need a disc that goes farther when they don't have the arm speed and they're like they're new to the game the mamba Mm. i have found more mambas in expo ponds than any <laughs> other disc combined and i threw one when i was in in colorado i bought my wife one because like oh yeah negative four turn this will be understable Mm-mm. no it's not don't throw anything that fast amateurs like yeah. you don't you don't need 11 speed get you, get your seven speed that's like neutral that will get you far not a understable 11 speed um do you want to turn this into an underrated, overrated Innova conversation? Because I think we could. Instead sure, of broadening sure. the whole spectrum. Sure. Because I've that. got a couple underrated Innova discs that okay. that are overlooked and are fantastic discs. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So an overlooked disc that people just kind of like look down on, but really could be a huge fix for a lot of amateurs game is a Valkyrie. Same thing. I was going to say same thing. Yeah. Let's go, dude. We're, yeah. We are uh, in lefty unison right now. This is yes. good. That was one of my first um, ventures into like a control driver fairway mm-hmm. speed disc. Um, but I had this old gummy champion plastic one and that thing was not flippy ever. I don't know no. where it is, but I wish I still had it because it was a stable boy and it's exactly what I or would girl. want. Right? Or girl. It's Cause, exactly because it's a Valkyrie. Yeah. It's exactly what I would want right now to be like throw it hard flat and like just let the disc do the negative two turn, but then still come back at the end. Mm. Um yeah, it's it's a I, I just think more AMs could could actually benefit from a disc like that rather than trying to go to a Thunderbird. I'm a, I love Thunderbirds. You know, I love my Thunderbirds. I've got a whole wall of them. Yeah. But I think a Valkyrie is a much more suit. Like the Savant is not understable enough. Yeah. The Savant is like between the the Valkyrie and Thunderbird, but really like Thunderbirds are very stable, especially brand new. Mm-hmm. But my buddy Jordan, who I just played with in Vegas, which we didn't even talk about that, but we'll come back. Uh, he threw a Halo Valkyrie all over the place and was just killing it. Nice. And it was just like, man, I forgot. That is like a very solid disc. And I don't really know anybody else that bags Valkyries. Yeah. Cool. Um, One that I put in my bag. So this is a kind of an underrated one. Um, I had it in my bag for a little bit when I was looking for the Calchop replacement, but was a a Rhino. Yeah. It's only it's, Calvin throws it. It's kind of unique in it's what it does, but it is it's a a beaten pig right out of the box. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. And so don't get your R Pro pigs and throw them for a year to get them to like precious child seasoned like just mm-hmm. go buy a rhino you can replace it and it it'll just be a nice straight hold any line you put on it um but still kind of like stay very torque resistant um yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad we're doing some underrated innova discs because we just kind of crapped on innova for i know it's okay. a hot minute there it's but okay. another underrated disc that I am a huge lover of is the TL. So the TL3 is kind of making a resurgence or like kind of pushing into people's bag. 
Yeah. Since a couple pros started throwing them and they made like the Halo TL3, but the TL is a seven speed. It's like a seven, it's like an FD. Yeah. But like flies like a beat in FD. Yeah. Nice. Like out of the box. And it, the TL is a great, like that was the disc that helped me throw backhands when yeah. I first started playing. Perfect. You can ask Connor and Bryce. They were, Every time that I had a hole where I threw the TL or TL3, they were just like, dang it. I don't know. It's going to be a good shot. Yeah. And it was like every time. Yeah. It's a good disc. It corrected my form, honestly. Nice. Like, like it was like a self like correcting. Like if I had a mistake in my form, the you, disc you, was you neutral was. enough that it would just kind of, you know, stick. Like if I put too much ante, it would, it has enough stability that it would kind of hold straight. And if I threw too much hyzer, it didn't have that much stability that I would just like dump out. Like it would still go for a little ways. Yeah. It's a good disc. Yeah. And then I guess it's not underrated because it's the number one selling disc in the history of discs, I think. Um, But in the G-Star Plastic, I have a Destroyer. And mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. And I think for intermediate to advanced level arms, it is the perfect, like, you will get turn out of it, but it still has a destroyer finish. Um, so don't don't buy your Calvin halos that take a year of no, throwing more them than, on. More than a year. Exactly. Like, you don't need what they're throwing. They throw it a lot harder, a lot lot faster um, than we do. So just get your G-Star 1. And uh, mine's held up pretty well so far. And it still flies great. So, Sick. Cool. Trying to think if I have any other overrated ones. Yeah, I don't know. I think we, I think we had a good, good couple yeah. there. Yeah, perfect. Uh, speaking of discs, moving towards our in the bag ish, uh, I had a VIP sword that I picked up in a used bin for eight bucks, but half of it was like it was white, and half of it had a little hue of like sewage. Yeah, like yeah. it looked like it had been an expo, and somebody found it and. They're like, I don't want this. Exchanged it at Fly Greens for some store credit. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, this stinks. So I tried, I washed it. It smelled a little better. I used acetone on it to just like wipe the stamp, wipe the name on it. And it smelled a little better. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to just let this thing sit in acetone for like, like five minutes or something and see if, if I can get the hue and the smell off of it, so you know, I'd rather it smell like acetone than anything else. So I thought that would thought that would work. That would be a good idea. Well, here's a lesson for you kids: don't leave it in there for a half hour. Because what, ha- what happened? The top of the disc raised like an inch and a half, <laughs> and it just completely destroyed the plastic. Oh no. So I just wasted that disc. I was going to have somebody try to dye the Chiefs uh, logo on it, but I'll just have to get a tournament sword instead. <laughs> hey, that's a way to uh, make a flat disc a little domey. So, <laughs> so domey. If you want to learn. Paisley's like playing like with it because she's like poking her finger like down into it because the plastic's like so soft now. And yeah. Wow. Rough. So don't do that's that, tough. kids. Yeah. Um. Since we are done with our you're in the bag, do we want to talk about your disc golf trip slash work trip this last few days? Sounds like a good use of our in the bag since I only took five discs with me. Yeah, easy to talk about. Yes, sir. Good idea. So I just got back from Vegas today. Uh, We had a big accounting conference, big nerdy accounting conference down in Vegas numbers yay but uh i want to say it was like 2500 people wow registered for the event and all of those are accountants or 
work within the accounting world. So like I was a former accountant. Now I'm working for an accounting software company. So like we were there, accounting firms were there, all that stuff. Very nerdy, very fun. Not really. But my buddy, Jordan, lives down in Vegas. And I was going to go see him. And I brought some discs just because I was like, hey, maybe, you know, maybe I'll get off a date day early or something or like I'll end the day early and could go play you know a local course with him kind of thing well Jordan suggested hey let's go play wild horse instead let's go play the Las Vegas challenge and I was like wait can we so we did we played it yesterday we got a golf cart and just zipped around the course played it pretty quickly well I mean it was like still almost a two-hour round even with yeah. the golf cart Oh, yeah. Granted, we did have to wait a couple times for golfers to pass us because like we have to yield to the golfers. So that was annoying. But got to play the Las Vegas Challenge, which was super fun. And nice. I played super bad. It's all right. It's OK. Yeah. Started out bogey bogey. Uh, essentially, I just I was moving low elevation, only had five discs in my bag and didn't fully know the like distances on a couple of the shots. Like I, I didn't have a range finder. I was just kind of yeah. using U disc and my depth perception was clearly off. <laughs> so like the first hole I short armed it, thought I was fine. Second hole, my second shot juiced it like 50 feet long and 80 feet right or one or the other. So I took bogeys in the first two holes and then essentially I, Played well until I tried to throw a forehand with a distance driver and yeah. realized that it was not stable. Yeah. What disc did you have with you? Took the inner core, which I'm putting with. I took my bluey beaten zone to be like kind of a mid-range and approach disc. And then I took a orbit escape, a C-line FD3, and a color glow C-line DD3. Nice. Which I thought would be more torque resistant for the forehand distance driver shot. It was not. Yeah. Is that the one that you just bought from OTB? Mm -hmm. oh, okay. 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 Yeah, okay. Good disc. I got good flights out of it backhand. Don't get as much distance backhand because it doesn't quite have the glide that like a sword or even a cloud breaker has more glide than it. Yeah. Um, but I was able to throw controlled back in distance shots and it was not, I tell you what, it was nice to be able to throw a hyzer flip to turning and fade distance driver shot. Right. Nice uh, bonus of playing at 2000 feet instead of 6,000 feet. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Um, was that your first golf course you've ever played? No, I played Mulligan's. Okay. Which is where they had worlds. Oh yeah, and you played Emporia. And I played Emporia Country Club. Yeah. Those are the three. Yeah. Um it's, it's a lot of fun with a golf cart though. I'll tell you what. Oh yeah, for sure. A lot better than walking. Yeah. Zip through the course. Yeah. Um the, it it's so fun to play courses. So I've played like Goat Hill mm. where you get to watch coverage of them playing and you're watching them throw these shots. And you throw them and you see the elevation change that you're going over. You see where they're landing. And you're like, oh, like, yeah, it's just right out there. Of course I could throw that far. No, you can't. No, you can't. It is mind boggling watching coverage and like being there in person to see how far, how easy these guys are throwing these discs on these courses. Um, so did did you have a a greater? I mean, you've played some of their courses before, but like, did you have a greater respect for in those conditions that course? Like, yeah, they, we were we were twenty plus mile an hour winds the whole time, so that was lame. Uh, I, the biggest like takeaway from like the looking at the course in its totality was the course is so much smaller than it looks on coverage. I can like see on that. coverage, it looks like it's like a big golf course. Yeah. You know, you're playing like across these fairways. It looks like there's a ton of distance on it. 
And when you get there, it's a lot tighter. Yeah. Like surprisingly tighter. For instance, hole one, right? You see them just throw that. They're throwing forehands, like straight backhands or big forehands. And you think there's so much room to the left and so much room to the right to be able to throw these shots or whatever. But it's a lot tighter than it looks. Yeah. So that that was kind of surprising. It was just like the difference between coverage and that. Um, but then also just some of the holes where it's just like, and I'm playing for par. And because I... Like the hole is 500 feet. It's a par three. It's 500 feet. And I threw my first shot 350 feet. Oh, great. Well, it's actually it's actually 530 and the basket's uphill. So now I got a 200 foot shot. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's, it's, it's two shots to get there, not just one good one. Yeah. Or one amazing one. But yeah. Cool. But it was fun. Um, uh, my buddy killed me because I did horrible and he was draining putts like crazy. Nice. And I was like, dang, Jordan, good job, man. And that's that's what another question I was gonna ask. Like, how did how was putting in the wind with the inner core? How did how did you feel about that? Generally fine. I had three holes where it wasn't fine. Yeah. One of them I sent you a video of. A steady tailwind right behind me. So yeah. I aimed at the upper part of the chains. And instead of it dropping my disc, it lifted my disc and then skipped off the top of the basket and went like 35 feet long. Yeah. And then a headwind coming back, I just missed it left, but I was chain height. Yeah. So that was a super dumb one where I read the read the wind properly and it just it gave me a nice big bird right in my face, probably a double bird. Uh, and then another hole, I put it out of bounds and I, I, there was a headwind and I tried to keep it low, but the basket was below me more than I realized. Mm-hmm. Like looking back at the video, I can see the basket was like lower than I was. So putting down, I was really just putting at like top of basket level. Yeah. And so it just lifted up and went out of bounds behind it. So I double bogeyed that. Those are the, those are my two double bogeys was yeah. because of three putts. Yeah. Yeah, putting downhill with a headwind. It's dirty. I should have just used sound, my zone. Sounds miserable. Well, no, because if you go any nose angle up, it is going to just go right over the top. But if you put like you're supposed to and go down into the basket, that's going to drop it. It's weird. Yeah. It's a headwind. Like, wild. I did realize that I am a bit of a nose up putter though. Yeah. I I kind of just like learned that about myself. Which isn't bad. I mean, I've, you've seen those, I've seen those videos with Joel Freeman and that's what he wants to be is a nose up putter. um, Because it feels like he feels like it gives him the greatest chance of making it and the less distance recovery to like, on the comebackers, mm-hmm. something like that. Whereas Ricky puts literally nose down. It's I know, insane. and it's hard because you look at Ricky and Gannon, and I'm sure there's another one that is one of the top putters in the world. Like theirs are just nose down bullets, and it, they just it doesn't make sense. I can't in. do it. Yeah, so it's wild. It's impressive, but yeah, that's so. That. Yeah, the course is fun. Didn't lose any. I didn't lose any discs. The uh, Oh, also the downhill island hole over the water. The one you threw the forehand zone? Yeah, where it's just a little pitch shot over it. Scary, huh? I threw my buddy's jawbreaker forehand zone. It says it's 220. That's a dead lie. It's like 180. Oh, it's short. It's so short. I overshot the overshot it by like 40 feet. Yeah. I threw what I thought was a 220 shot and just because I just like kind of just gave it like a little just barely touch out over the water. Yeah. Jawbreaker zone. And... That looked that looked miserable and so scary with a jawbreaker zone, not knowing if it was going to come like be a stable zone. It was brand new. He just he's hardly used it. Oh, that's good. 
Okay. Yeah. I told him to buy it when we went to Emporia and he used it like 10 times since then. Nice. Uh, yeah. Whereas like if in an actual tournament, I would go backhand if there was no wind because the backhand Ooh. just played into the bank as a lefty. And kind of counter skip towards it. Yep. Oh. You're going to just hit it into the bank and it's just going to not do anything, especially if you throw something like softer plastic or whatever, like your Caltrop. Yeah. You threw that, just bounce right into there. Be no problem at all. See, I would or just I'd be throw, I'd... or I'd throw my pig, but yeah. I didn't have that clearly. See, I feel like what I would, I what I like about that's what I would throw the slammer, the Saki slammer, or the Zone OS, and just chop over it and let it just crash into the hill. Yeah, the thing um, is, you just have to throw 150 to 180 feet. I could throw that 150 feet. It's as yeah. far as it goes. No, I'm just saying, like, like you're like, okay, I don't want to short arm this, and then yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah, but cool. Still cool course. Uh, realized humbled me because I just I realized I still have a lot of work to do, obviously, but it makes me very glad that we are going to the toboggan a day early so we can get a practice round so I can understand distances in terms of like how far I'm throwing, but also like, Hey, the landing zone is actually this far. Or if you go this far, it's going to pinch you off and you're not going to have a shot here Yeah, because those were the things that my buddy just wasn't doing that. I was, I was pinching myself off in areas or catching limbs that I, you know, shouldn't have and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Whereas he knew, okay, I, I need to throw, this backhand instead of a forehand where it shapes for a forehand and you throw a backhand here. And so he just was able to kind of just play the course better than I was. Yeah. And it made me very glad that we are going to have an extra round of the toboggan to get that practice before actual tournament. Yeah. Which would be fine. We're there a full day early, right? Full day. Yeah. Okay. That's going to be great. Yeah. We'll get great. We'll get two rounds in, walk it, whatever. So yeah, sweet. It's going to be a blast. Cool. And then you're talking about you're excited, a lot of things you got to work on. What are you going to be working on this week? So this week I have been, or this last week, I've been pretty successful in um, getting a lot of power in my backhand and incorporating my legs a little more. And I feel like I've been able to add, I've been throwing 400 feet multiple times over the last like week and a half. Nice. Which is super exciting. Yeah. But like, I'm not just like, maxed out at 360 like i'm throwing 380 consistently and now i'm having a couple that are pushing 400 410 420 like i've had some really solid backhand shots so one thing that i realized i wasn't doing is my trail arm is not kind of firing down and so i'm kind of still doing a little flailing action with that trail arm so if i can work on tucking that arm and try to just be a little bit faster through it. I can hopefully throw nice continue to just like make that a consistent 400 feet instead of like a great throws 400 feet or four and 410 feet. Yeah. So I can push that 380 to 400 potentially. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That, that off arm is so hard to get time because it, it's like nothing else in other sports. Like, I feel like there's the only other thing that I would put it close to is like a um, figure skater, like fi- exactly figure skater where you are out and then close and twist to get the, that quicker momentum spinning yourself around. So yeah, it it's different for sure. It's like a little kid on the playground where you're on a spinny thing and you're like, Ooh, this is so fun. And then you pull yourself close and you spin so much faster and you're like, throw up. Exactly. God, that just is making my (laughs) stomach twirl right now. (laughs) Dude. uh, Yeah. I, I won't get into it now, but I'm glad to be home and not on a plane. Exactly. We'll just say that. Perfect. All right. So that's going to do it for this episode of the left hand backhand. Thank you all for hanging out with us. If you stayed along this long, this long, uh, we appreciate it. Um, remember to hit that like button, subscribe, share with your friends. And share with we'll, your grandma. We'll be back 
next week with a kind of an off week from the Disc Golf Pro Tour. So we'll have lots of fun, um, exciting games, maybe a guest. I don't know, but uh, stick around. We should be having a, a good week off week next week. So let's get it. Peace. Lefties out. <laughs>